Hi, this is Pastor Tom, and I want to welcome you to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 this week. This is day one. We're going to focus on verses 1 and 2. Before we look at those verses, let me just catch us up with where we are. Remember, 2 Corinthians is a kind of servant survival guide. It helps us to know how to survive the realities of life as God's servants. And so we've looked at actually six specific ways to survive, in a sense, up until now. We've talked about how do you survive despair. Paul talks about that in chapter 1, verses 3 to 10. And the survival principle there, one of the key principles is God will comfort you so that you can comfort others. That's what you recognize and realize when you're going through tough times. We've talked about how do you survive misunderstandings in chapter 1, verse 12, through chapter 2, verse 4. And the principle there is that you can have a confidence based on a conduct that's marked by holiness and sincerity in your life. As you live out your life before Christ, you can have confidence before others, even when you're misunderstood. We've talked about surviving offenses, when somebody offends you, and the principle there is you'll need to learn how to forgive. That's in chapter 2. Chapter 2 also talks about how do you survive accusations, chapter 2 and chapter 3. And when somebody accuses you, just because you're serving Christ, they accuse you of a wrong motive, and you know it's not a wrong motive. What do you do? You recognize before them openly that your competence comes only from God. You don't try to prove yourself. You just realize, I'm just a servant serving him. We've talked in chapters 4 and 5 about how do you survive a loss of heart. Looked at the principle that you fix your eyes on what is seen, not on what's unseen. And now, in chapter 6, we're going to look at how do you survive everyday life. How do you live, we're going to see in these verses, so that no one will find fault with you, but instead they'll see in you the presence of Christ. Listen to what Paul has to say as we begin this chapter in verses 1 and 2. He begins not by talking about the survival of everyday life, but he talks about how you can really begin to thrive and begin to feel abundance in everyday life. He starts by talking about salvation and how it's something that we experience every day of our lives as believers. In verses 1 and 2, Paul says, As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. When we talk about daily life and surviving everyday life, one of the things we have to ask ourselves is, what's urgent? What's urgent in your life? Truth is, if you're like me, a lot of things seem urgent, but few really are. The gift of salvation Paul talks about here, he says that is truly urgent. Urgent. This gift that God has given you of new life in Christ, it is more urgent than you realize. You don't get saved and then put it on a back burner. You get saved and realize it's a now thing. It's a thing that's a part of my everyday life. God's incredible gift of salvation. Many people know about it, but never even open it. They don't even see the urgency of opening it. And there are other people who you open it up, but then you put it on a shelf somewhere in the back of your mind and you forget it as a part of everyday life. What is it that causes this to happen? What keeps us from unwrapping, from enjoying God's gifts? What keeps us from unwrapping or enjoying in daily life God's gift of salvation, this new relationship that we have with him, the fact that I am forgiven by him? Why do sometimes the little things of life seem to overwhelm our life and seem so much more urgent than this most important thing of life, the truth that God loves you, the truth that he saved you, the truth that he has forgiven you? What keeps us from unwrapping or enjoying this gift? There are a lot of reasons, but I want to focus on three specific reasons. Sometimes, one of the reasons is sometimes we're afraid. 
Sometimes we don't open the gift because we're afraid. We're afraid of what God might do in our lives. I remember when our son Ryan was a little boy in preschool, we sent him with a little snack one day for his preschool class, came home, snack was unopened. And we said, Ryan, you didn't eat your food today. And he said, well, I didn't open it because I was afraid I might not like what was inside. A few days before, his mom had sent him some barbecued soy nuts. And when he opened up the bag, he ate those things and he did not like them. So he didn't open the bag because he was afraid of what might be inside. We're like that sometimes with God. We think if I really go to God, really enjoy all that salvation means, maybe God's going to spoil my fun. Maybe God will just make me feel guilty. Maybe he'll send me to some uncivilized corner of the world that I don't want to go to. It's the barbecued soy nuts way of thinking about God, and that's not how God is at all. Now, he does ask you to do sometimes things that you think you don't want to do, but once you do them, you realize, well, this is what you made me for. This is why I'm on this planet. God will challenge you to do things, and that scares us sometimes, but that is a fear that's worth overcoming. Don't be afraid, God says, because I have great things to do in your life. Sometimes, though, we don't open up this gift because we're afraid. A second reason, let's just be honest, is sometimes we're stubborn. We're selfish. We want what we want when we want it. And so because of that, and we think God may not give it to us when we want it, instead of enjoying the gift of salvation, we go after the things that we want in life. We're selfish. Or sometimes we're stubborn because we're prideful. We've tried every way that we know to make it work our way, and it just hasn't worked. So we keep trying to prove ourselves right. We keep trying to make it work our way. We're like a gambler who just keeps putting more and more money in the pot, thinking, I'm going to win this time. What we really need to do is back away and say, God, what do you want in my life? If you never struggle with stubbornness, well, we've all struggled with that. If you don't think you've ever struggled with it, there's a pride probably in your life because we all struggle with this selfishness and pride. Sometimes we're stubborn, sometimes we're afraid, but sometimes we miss out on God's gifts. In fact, I think maybe most of the time because we just procrastinate. We just put it off. We know we're going to enjoy the gift. It's just I've got something else to do today. Something seems more urgent today. So God puts an impulse in my life to do this or to serve in this kind of way, and we think, I'm going to do that. I'll just do it tomorrow or the next day or next week. And we're buying into a myth when we do that. The myth is that you can act on a spiritual impulse at any time. I've got this sense of how I should serve or how I should love the Lord or how I should pray more, whatever it is. The myth is I can act on that at any time. Now, the truth is God is always ready. So when it comes to God, he's always going to be ready to accept the way that you act, the way that you serve. But we are not always ready. The fact that I have a sense, a feeling of what I should do today does not mean it's going to be there tomorrow. So when I have a good impulse to do something good, I better act when it hits me, or I just don't know what I'm going to miss. Do not confuse the fact that God always stands ready to help you with the fact that there are opportune moments in our lives, and you don't want to miss those. I've found I better act now when God puts one of those opportune moments into my life for change or for prayer, or for praise, or for serving him, or for appreciating what he's doing in my life. If I don't, other things get in the way. If I don't, I get busy. If I don't, complacency sets back in. And six months later, six months down the road, I am kicking myself that I didn't act earlier. Now, what's going to happen when you unwrap this gift? This is what really makes it urgent. What do you find? In the gift of salvation, you find Thousands of things. God's gifts of a daily difference in our lives. In these couple of verses, there are two now phrases. 
Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. What's urgent in your life? What's now in your life? God's favor is urgent. God's love for you and the blessings he wants to put into your life. What's now in your life? God's salvation is now in your life. If you've never accepted it, accept it now. Why wait? Why wait until tomorrow? Why wait until some stubbornness or selfishness or fear or procrastination gets through in your life? Why not begin to enjoy now this gift that God has given? If you've never accepted it, you open it now. If you have accepted this gift of salvation, you begin to enjoy it now. Enjoy what God has done in your life. The question, as we come to the end of this day of looking at these verses is, how are you going to enjoy God's gift of salvation today? Let's pray together. Our Father, thank you for this great gift, the gift of forgiveness and life through Jesus. And I'm like everybody else. I can walk through the day and not enjoy that gift, get caught up in what I'm doing, get caught up in the details, see other things as more urgent, more important. Lord, help me today to enjoy the gift of salvation. In everything I do, everything you've given me to do, help me to enjoy the fact that you love me, that you have a plan and purpose for my life and to live out that plan in whatever I'm doing. Now, you've given me your favor. Now, you've given me your salvation. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen.